You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Magda Vizichka is an extremely successful South African businesswoman who has built up a financial services company that is sort of breaking the mould and it's trying to challenge the established players. But she's resigned as CEO. Let's find out why. Because Magda Vizichka, uh, the ex or soon to be ex CEO of Signia, is with me now. Magda, just before we get into why you've done this, just give us a brief history, a potted history of the Signia Group. Uh, so, you know, I co-founded uh, with my husband, co-founded Signia in 2006 after leaving African Harvest where I was, you know, CEO. And when we launched the business and really we kind of mortgaged the house to launch Signia, yeah. uh, we had a group of people, you know, very talented people with us. And we basically, you know, sat down around the table and strategized about, you know, what sort of a financial services company can we launch that will differentiate itself from competitors. And, you know, the obvious things with financial services industry were and continue to be, you know, high fees, complexity and jargon, this mythical concept of active asset management can outperform um, and, and complete lack of transparency. So when we launched Signia, we decided to offer financial services products um, at the lowest cost possible, completely transparent, um, as simple as possible, and kind of a company run in a very honest and ethical manner. Um, And obviously, everything that we were doing, just because we decided on this low-cost proposition, was and, and passive investing in particular, uh, was underpinned by leading edge technologies. So we have been developing our own technologies ever since. And of course, and, um, the, you know, the, the initially- leading edge technologies don't just stop when you can't just say, right, we've got these te- technologies now, now we sit back no. and, and reap the rewards. It's no. constantly evolving, I would imagine. It's constant. It is constant. And so that's really where it started. And we targeted institutional clients first. And, you know, we were offering passive management, multi-management, as well as kind of investment administration using our technology platforms. And that was a, you know, we were very fortunate um, and attracted quite a lot of institutional money. And then back in 2015, well, maybe 2015, we decided to enter the retail market. We launched Unit Trust offering passive uh, both, you know, in terms of single asset class unit trust, as well as, you know, a very popular range of products called senior skeleton funds, which are multi-asset class, high risk, low risk, medium risk funds. Uh, and we launched a LISP platform to go with it. Um, and, you know, then in 2016, um, you know, I came across the whole concept and that really came from being able to travel and being um, exposed to some very interesting uh, people overseas. And I came across this whole concept of, you know, what then was called the fourth industrial revolution, but really today is called disruptive innovation. And we launched, you know, a very, very popular product, which I think is what put us on the retail map. Uh, called Signia Fourth Industrial Revolution Global Equity Fund. Again, social interrupt. It was linked to Oxford no. University, if I remember rightly. No, no. So the Signia Fourth Industrial Revolution Fund actually predated mm. OSI. Um, and it's a fund which invests in you know, 380-odd different companies, on, all involved in the 
technologies which are and products and services which will really shape the future. So it's everything from drone technology, cybersecurity, electrical vehicles, autonomous vehicles, you know, um, smart cities, um, space tech for that matter, renewable energy. Um, so, so it's a you know whole spectrum of what we believe um, is the future of investing. Um, and we were, you know, today, so, so five years down the line, you know, the, the word fourth industrial revolution has kind of disappeared and has been overtaken by the word disruptive innovation. Yes. Um, and, you know, the, the form of investing that we do through the Signia Fourth Industrial Revolution Fund has been called, you know, thematic investing in the global markets. Um, so, you know, we, we are very fortunate to almost pioneer the concept, introduce the concept in South Africa. And that fund in particular has delivered, you know, 30% per annum since inception for five years, outperforming absolutely everything in South Africa. That's extraordinary. Um, last year alone, it, you know, delivered 65% return. Um, so it really is an incredible fund with 380 different companies represented. Um, and I think that... That's where that fund is really what underpinned the sudden awareness of the retail market of Signia because, you know, we have enjoyed extraordinary growth on the retail side of the business, in particular in the past year or so. Um, so, so Signia has now become a medium-sized financial services group. We, we also launched a few years ago an umbrella fund which is now the sixth largest umbrella fund. Again, lowest cost mm. by a mile. Um, and, you know, we took on all the big players um, in that space in South Africa, and we are now the sixth largest umbrella fund in South Africa. So the company has really been driven by, you know, this concept of disruption, um, you know, introducing new innovative products. Last year, it was Signia Oxford Sciences Innovation Fund, yes. which invests in a company called OSTI, which uh, has the exclusive rights to commercialize all IP originating out of Oxford University. There are at least 82 different companies that have been spun out of that structure. One of them is Vasitech, which owns the IP rights to the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, just to... <laughs> and and when we set up that fund, uh, you know, we, we obviously had no idea that the global pandemic is about to hit. But it was a very, again, fortuitous timing of looking at, you know, what was happening in the innovation space mm. and saying, you know, how can we benefit and how can we introduce private unlisted investments to South African investors. Thanks. Just before you go on, you, what you're saying here, you've been an innovator and a disruptor. Now, looking at the people mm -hmm. that you've challenged, in other words, the established financial services industry of South Africa and indeed the world, would you say that because of your practices and because of the way that you've gone about your business at Signia, that they have changed their practices as well in order to keep up? Would you say that? Because that's an important point here. <laughs> Thank goodness not. I actually look at, you know, the, the competitors that we have in our space and it's really, you know, Coronation, Ellen Gray um, and Alexander Forbes and Sunlam. And they all continue along exactly the same trajectory, That's strange. which absolutely amazes me. So, you know, if I actually just look at investment approaches and, you know, our investment approach of looking at 
passive investing and then looking at alpha from this thematic investing. So, you know, instead of looking at geographies and sectors and market caps of companies and value versus growth investment styles, we look at where does the future lie? And the future lies in companies which span across the geographical spectrum. They cast across sectors. You know, if you look at a company such as Tesla, they are involved in electrical vehicles, electrical charging uh, stations, development of batteries, you know, and uh, collation of data on consumer behavior. So that, you know, and they have manufacturing plants in the US and China. So that's hardly a company that can be viewed as a, you know, US car manufacturer. And there are many more examples of, of companies which have now become you know, that, that basically have become platform companies, which just cut across all this traditional thinking. And yet I look at traditional asset management and they still continue doing things the way they they did it 20 years ago. They keep overcharging their clients. They keep promise, promising our performance of investment benchmarks where they have not outperformed. How much more proof do you need than 20 years of underperformance? Um, it must be so, quite exciting for your team, given what you've just said and the enthusiasm with which you impart your wisdom, Magda. It must be quite exciting for you and your team uh, to wake up every morning and say, well, you know, Tesla is one thing, but now VW is doing um, something else and wants to catch up. There's a Chinese company that wants to challenge Tesla. Mm -hmm. There are so many. And this, I'm just talking about the motor car industry at the moment. Yeah. There must be so many. There must be an ever-expanding universe of investment targets. Absolutely. It absolutely. That's, you know, that's 100%. You know, this disruptive innovation is happening everywhere. And many, and, and much of it is coming from established companies as well, where they've recognized that they need to innovate in order to survive. And But then you also have an enormous amount of all-style, big, giant companies, which, you know, last year is a perfect example of companies which, you know, we believe will be left behind. And those are companies who are sitting on huge amounts of cash. And instead of deploying that cash to innovate, they bought back their, their own stock. Um, so that's exactly an example of a company we would not want to invest in. And, you know, I'm almost sad to say that Berkshire Hathaway has been one of those companies where mm. instead of the innovation, perhaps it talks to the age of the founders, but, you know, instead of innovating, instead of looking for opportunities, they bought back their own stock. Uh, that doesn't excite us. You know, it's, it's, it's an indication to me that you've got no imagination, that you cannot see these massive mega trends which are shaping the future uh, on, on every front. And, you know, that, that you are just an all-star company, which in five years' time is going to be worth half of what it is worth today. Okay, so you're now relinquishing the stewardship as CEO in your capacity as CEO mm -hmm. of the Signia Group. And so obviously you're going to go and uh, live somewhere and start to play golf and, um, uh, and sit down and read books yeah. and, and do nothing right. else. Yeah, of course. I mean, I've, I've, we've known each other long enough, Magda, to know that, that is, that's not going to happen. So what are you doing? No. So so the first thing is, you know, there is relinquishing and there is relinquishing. You know, I, I hate the word of res resignation. I like the word transition. Okay. So in terms of Signia, you know, Signia has become a large or medium to large sized financial services group. It deserves professional executive day-to-day -day management by people who are rigorous, 
who will hold, you know, numerous meetings, who will hold people accountable, where there are project plans, implementation plans, you know, all the stuff that goes into the day-to-day operational management of a company. And for that, you need professionals. I'm not it. You know, I'm an entrepreneur by nature. I have an idea a minute. And hence, what, you know, I've decided to do is to transition from the role of day-to-day operational manager of the business. And that decision was made a while back because, you know, as, as you know, I have co-shared my CEO position with David Hafton for a, over a year now. Yes. Um, and I appointed him as a deputy CEO in 2018 for exactly that reason, so that I could hand over. When I was ready, when I thought that, you know, the operations of the business were taking up too much of my time, um, I could relinquish that position. And I could focus on the things that I'm passionate about, the business strategy, um, it's innovation, product innovation, looking for opportunities for Signia, acting as a brand ambassador for the company. So all the things that actually, you know, drive me as an entrepreneur and, you know, and are not, they do form part of a CEO's job description. But I think, you know, you are so Unfortunately, you are also so involved in the day-to-day operational issues that, you know, that opportunity to dream, to think big Mm. is grossly compromised by having to deal with day-to-day problems. So all that I've done is I have relinquished the title um, that comes with being a day-to-day executive of the business. And, you know, I couldn't morph into, just because of JSC's listing requirements, I can't immediately become a chairman of the group that will come in time. Um, you know, so so I've become a non-executive director, but very much in, in charge of the strategy of the business. And as I said, product innovation, um, being a brand ambassador, coming up with ideas. And, you know, I do want to spend a bit of my time uh, traveling and, you know, potentially spend a bit of my time in Silicon Valley, a bit of my time in New York, see, see more, learn more, bring it back to Signia and bring it back to South Africa. I think that's what uh, Kurs Becker did. I don't want to compare you to Kurs Becker because yeah. it's an unfair comparison to, for both of you. But I would say that that is exactly what he did. He took a, he took a year off and he, and he traveled around and he came back. I don't know if he came back refreshed, but he came back with new ideas. And that sounds to me exactly what you should do. So instead of being an engineer, in other words, day-to-day operations at Signia, you're almost as though you're becoming an artist. I, I don't know if that's that's a good analogy, but you understand what I'm trying to say. That's that's exactly the right analogy. So, um, you know, I'm, you know, it, I mean, I think Kurs Becker, when he he did that, you know, he actually took a physical sabbatical, whereas, you know, mm. I will become, uh, I will remain involved in the strategy of the business on a day-to-day business, uh, basis. Because, look, at the end of the day, the difference is, you know, I'm a founder of Signia. And I'm a majority shareholder in Signia. So it really is naive of people to think that I'm just going to disappear and and sit on a beach and read a book. (laughs) Um, You know, (laughs) um, I haven't done it in 25 years of my career. I'm not about to start today. Um, But, you know, I certainly, you know, not being involved... um, in the day-to-day operations of the business gives me the freedom to think big 
a lot more flexibility. You know, there isn't an expectation from people that I'm in the office or that I'm in every single meeting that the company is having. Um, and that is the flexibility I was looking for. Um, and, you know, if, and, and I do believe that to be fair to the executive management team at Sigmia, I couldn't have clutched onto the title of the CEO while asking for that flexibility. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, so all I have done is, you know, I've, and, and look, this has been, this is not a sudden decision. This has been something that I have pre-planned for better part of the last five years. Um, you know, David Hafton joined Signia in over five years ago. And that is after, you know, I spent five years trying to persuade him to leave Alexander Forbes. I've known David for 25 years um, to leave Alexander Forbes. Eventually he did. And it was always with the view of reaching today or reaching yesterday where, you know, he takes over the day-to-day running of the operations. I couldn't think of a safer pair of hands and more professional and experienced pair of hands than David. And I can dream big and become the visionary that I want to become. Well, that's a quite a testimonial for David. Uh, I've got to give an outro now. I've got to end this conversation somehow, but I don't know what to call you. Are you soon to be ex-CEO? Are you brand ambassador? What do I call you as I say goodbye? Founder, brand ambassador, majority shareholder. <laughs> you said it all for me. That's Magda Vizicka from the Signia Group. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.